CEO Money. I'm Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. All right. I've got Darren Coleman. He is the founder of Wavelength Marketing. And uh, Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming to our show. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Now you're broadcasting for Birmingham, England. Um, I wanted you to give us some background on yourself. I want to talk about your new book that you've got out here. I did get a chance to look through it. It looks like a very easy read, very understandable. But l let me start with you first, please. Sure. So um, my background is in brand, brand strategy. I've been working in that space for about 20 years now. Um, initially started off in the tech, telecoms, mobile space, working at brands like Orange. Um, then, you know, went back to university for a couple of years, started my own agency, Wavelength, and it grew from there. And now I run a business and we're a boutique branding agency. And we specialize in working with services brands um, that want to retain relevance through the experiences they build. How did we're you, fortunate enough to have clients. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask you how you ended up running Wavelength. Um, well, I was never great in the corporate world, if I'm honest with you. I was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a corporate brat, but the idea of working in a big organization wasn't always my cup of tea. So um, around the age of 30, I took a year out to go back to uni and that evolved into a couple of years. During that time, the scholarship didn't quite go as far as I would have liked. So I started Wavelength. Um, friends, former clients, etc., approached me for consulting engagements and the business grew and developed from there. Tell me about the book. So the book, Building Brand Experiences, A Practical Guide to Retaining Brand Relevance, was published last July in the UK and the States um, for global distribution. And it's squarely aimed at CMOs or senior executives who understand experiences are a route to retaining relevance, but they struggle to lead brand experience building activities with confidence and conviction. All right. Now, in in the book, you talk about a series of things, but uh, you're breaking the brand experience by building processes into steps. Can you go more in depth into that? Sure. So in the book, um, it, it's structured around what I've termed the brand experience blueprint. And this is a practical uh, framework that's based on 20 plus years global experience for how to build brand experiences. So the first step is called the brand experience environment. The second step relates to brand experience essentials. And the third step relates to brand experience enablers. Okay, I'd like a little bit more description of each one of those steps because we've got a little time here and I wanna give you room to work. Sure. So the brand experience environment relates to the context that brands are built within. So, for example, understanding your stakeholders, 
understanding the importance of data and generating an emotional connection with stakeholders. So these are, if you like, the, the macro environmental factors that are shaping and driving um, brands today. So the first step is for organizations to come up for air and almost audit this big picture, this brand experience environment. Um, and there's a series of tools that enable senior executives and their teams to do that. So once you've got a handle on what's happening in the brand experience environment, the next stage is to consider what we've termed or what I've termed the brand experience essentials. So these are um, classical brand assets, intangible brand assets, such as your brand values, your brand personality and your brand positioning. And um, the trick is to define your brand experience essentials in the context of the brand experience environment. How do you do so that? So let me give you an example. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, so for example, let's say you've got a value of being um, ambitious. You may be an investment bank and you're ambitious. So then what you need to do is think about, well, how relevant is a brand value of being ambitious to your customers? How will a brand value of being driven and drive brand performance. So what you do is you look at these intangible brand assets, values, personality, positioning, etc., and you assess how relevant they are in this macro environment, this big picture that we've termed the brand experience environment. So once then you've got a feel for a brand that you feel is relevant to where you want to take your business and the world that we're operating in, then it's a case of making those intangible brand assets tangible. And there are three tools that you can use to do that. And those tools have been termed under the brand experience enablers. And they are design, communications, and behavior. So if you've got a value of being driven or determined, you know, you're a competitive investment bank, then the type of people you employ need to be driven and competitive. The way in which you use design needs to give people the impression that you are a driven and competitive investment bank. And then the way in which you communicate your tone of voice needs to give people the feeling that you're a driven and competitive bank, you're a no-nonsense player. I wanna drill down on that, the way you communicate Give me a little bit more on that because that's an effective part of making everything work is the communication part. Sure. So if you were to compare a brand such as Goldman Sachs and the way in which they communicate, um, it's quite driven, it's quite focused, um, and that gives you a feeling for the type of brand that Goldman Sachs is. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that when you interact with some Goldman Sachs related communications, it gives you a certain feeling for the bank. But then if you were to engage with a slightly more niche bank, say here in Europe, there's a Dutch bank called Triodos that only invests in socially responsible funds. The, the tone of voice, the language they use is far softer. It's more accessible. It's gentler. It's more friendly. 
and, and that gives you um, a softer feeling for the type of brand. And then as a, as a person, you can make a choice as to which type of brand you want to um, engage with. Okay, now you describe uh, measuring the brand experiences uh, could potentially or possibly be a nightmare. Um, and I can see <laughs> that being a, a tough, tough road to hoe. So there's gotta be some craftsmanship in the way that you communicate the message that articulates what the culture is of the company that because that that culture that comes out is ultimately the type of attraction of client you're trying to bring to you something that that relates with what you're doing that message has got to be that's got to be almost witchcraft to be able to make it and hit it right as well as science underlining but it's still an art as much as it is a science is am i right or wrong sure um there's an element of art there's an element of science to it so uh, the point you make is particularly relevant for services brands and especially B2B services brands, which are, are, are really behavioral. So uh, when we've worked with consulting firms, professional services firms, uh, investment banks and um, capital houses that are engaging with um, B2B markets, uh, yes, there's an element of science to how we identify tone of voice and messages that resonate with the target customer but also as well when we get to the actual creative execution that's where the the, the creative license comes into play but we are also finding increasingly that science can help us um, fine-tune and focus the messages uh, through eye tracking and emotional responses and such like now, we're at the end of our, our interview, but before we go, I want some tips, if you would, to give to our audience so that they can follow along and, and find nuggets of wisdom and what you've garnered over the last 20 years. Gosh, um, some, some nuggets of wisdom uh, for building brand experiences. Uh, firstly, when it comes to measurement, and when it comes to measurements, start simple and build from there. So my advice within the space of measurement is take employee brand and financial metrics because employee and brand metrics drive financial metrics so as sure as night follows day if employee and brand metrics drop then the financial metrics will drop so you've got you've got a window of opportunity to do something if employee and brand metrics are falling before the financial metrics really struggle so I'd start with measurements, do something, and then measure again, because that's that's a way that you can show the C-suite in no uncertain terms that, that your work is delivering genuine value to the business. And then once you've got the C-suite on side, the world becomes a better place. Great. I, I really want to have you back on the show again so that we can talk through some case studies of how you implement the you know the, the tools that you that you put into the book and how I can use it for my own business. Oh, sure, that'd be a pleasure. All right, thanks for being a guest today. Yes, Michael. All right, you've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks. For like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.